Just a heads up for any sensitive listeners, this episode includes the names of Aboriginal peoples from Australia and also includes some expletives. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Fortuna Monsoon podcast. Uh, we're doing a little bit more of a long-form dive into the adventures of one of our friends, Omid Aski Lardijani. And uh, I've known I've known Omid for a few years, but Vinny's known him quite a bit longer. Vinny, how'd you meet Omid? Well, uh, Omid and I met in Hawaii. Uh, the specific details of the story uh, I can go into. Let's hear so a little bit about yeah. that. I think so there was a Taco Bell involved, right? Yeah, there was. <laughs> uh, so I was living in Hawaii, um, kind of following uh, sort of the scouting mission of uh, another good friend of ours, our friend Travis Murphy. And he had been there for a little while and essentially just said, you need to come here because this is a really cool situation. And so... Uh, I had been there for a second and doing kind of a work trade hostel thing at Hidanesia, Hawaii. And uh, at that time, when Omid was arriving, one of mine and Travis's jobs were to pick up people from the hostel, from the airport. And so uh, the main guy who ran the hostel, uh, Mojo, uh, asked me, asked us if he would, uh, we, we could go pick up Amid. And so, um, I, I think at the time we, we thought it was Amid. And so, <laughs> um, Travis and I were just getting into some like primal scream therapy at, at the time. Is that a type of music? Just, it, it's, it's like a kind of like cathartic okay. sort of Like you just do it whenever you feel like you, you need to. you just are like <laughs> screaming really loud. Okay. And so we were. Um, Can we have a demonstration? <laughs> maybe back off the mic. In a my, bit? I mean, <laughs> come on. All right, let me just. All right, like if I, it would be something like if I just was like, <laughs> you know. So we were doing that <laughs> um, in the car, kind of trading off <laughs> times, go. turns. Uh-huh. But we were doing it like you know, full blast, um, <laughs> driving on our way to the airport, doing that. And we're also, I remember on the radio, it was uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So we were both singing That's along. That's a weird backing track. Yeah, uh, to that. <coughs> so we pulled up to the airport, and uh, we parked. in a small airport. Uh, and uh, s- uh, just sitting there, and we were just kind of waiting, kind of seeing we could see that clearly the flight that Omid would have been on was sort of letting out and we were just like going Amid, like Amid, <laughs> and um didn't no one was showing up but then like out of the airport came walking this man who was wearing short brazilian short yellow brazilian shorts oh yeah and a rastafarian hat and carrying a a giant didgeridoo and we were like well that's gotta that's gotta be him and so then <laughs> we got we were like Omid. he's like it's omid and so we got in the car and um i feel like there was like an instant connection like just mm-hmm. right away mm-hmm. um but then uh omid was hungry and and so we we decided to stop at a taco bell 
and we were driving, going through the drive-thru, and you could hear, I think maybe Omid was like, kind of, you, you can hear, the, the, there are the koki frogs in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, and I think your, Omid's initial thought, uh, that was for tourists or something. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like a, like a speaker, like it was something <laughs> that they were, you know, it was like, no, this is real. Um, anyways, we ended up like getting drive through Taco Bell and eating it like behind the dumpster. So that was like our <laughs> first introduction. Uh, so from there, you know, it kind of just flourished and was just, that was kind of like history. Um, uh, but to just give like a further introduction, that's where Omid and I met. Um, uh, from that moment, I was uh, instantly curious and uh, felt very, um, very comfortable to be curious and um, uh, have a just could instantly recognize that this was someone um, that had a lot of depth and um, a lot to share. And so, um, little back story as far as I know with Amid. Um, he's from Iran. His family came here in the 80s. Yeah, 83. Um, uh, from uh, the revolution that after was happening that there. After that after the war too. Yeah. yeah. And so, <coughs> um, and then uh, beyond that, uh, you know, Amid convinced me to move to Austin. Wow, um, that's right. So I forget that. that's the reason yeah. that I've ev ever even been in Austin. Austin was never even really on my, Texas was never really on my radar. <coughs> um hmm until I met Omid, and so um, I can credit him for so much of uh, the experiences and, and connections and friendships that I've made uh, in the time that I've been here. So without further ado, it is my delight uh, <laughs> and honor to introduce our guest, Omid Larijani. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> How are you doing? <clears throat> good. Welcome, Omid. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to be here. It's good that to have you here. That was the best Taco Bell experience I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it doubt was, it. Yeah, it I was don't, so yeah. good. Mm -hmm. it was so the good. frogs to the primal screams yeah. or Gordita yeah. Crunch. Two, two yeah. rock stars. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> it so good. Sounds delicious overall. I'm, yeah. Um, so something piqued my interest uh, over the years that we've known each other. And I've heard you play Didgeridoo before. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've just, you know, little by little heard of like a little bit about why you play the didgeridoo and how you came to uh, from your time in Australia mm -hmm. living amongst Aboriginal peoples. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast to ask you a little bit more in-depth um, questions about what that was like and what, what brought you there. So what, what made you go to Australia? What was the first thing that... Yeah, it's um, Austin is a fertile soil. For people that want to um, seek their their um, paths to freedom, you know, and and um, Austin is kind of an incubation for that. And so one night in two thousand and one, uh, I just went to downtown Austin, uh, where the beginning part of Sixth Street was very dark and. Um, I just needed to go steam off. I needed to go and, and hear some music. So I parked underneath I-35, went to 6th Street, and uh, I saw these two people walking, this girl and guy. And, you know, sometimes you could see the 
the vibe of a person, um, it just felt like there was light coming out of them. It was there were meeting light. I don't, I can't explain it. And and he was carrying some things on his back, so I just kind of ran up and said, "Hey, how you doing? What are you carrying?" Uh, he's like, "Oh, these are didgeridoos." I'm like, "Oh, that's that crocodile Dundee thing. Okay, <laughs> uh, cool. Um, uh, are you selling those?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "How much is this one?" He's like, "Oh, it's thirty-five bucks." I'm like, "Okay, just wait right here." I ran to the ATM, came back, and purchased one, and. I asked him, so how do you play it? And he showed me, and I'm like, okay, so how do I learn? Is there anyone I can listen to? He gave me some names of people to look up to, look up and find, and, and so, you know, that was it. I went and put it in my truck. And then when I started playing it, and I took it to the springs and different places, I noticed that it was like a magnet. This powerful mm -hmm. sound. I barely could even play it. It makes some sounds. And I noticed that people would run to it, and I needed coming out of the 90s in Houston where life was about you know material things and your hubcaps the conversations were about material things and Bellagio hotel whatever mm. um, I needed uh, a, a blanket of people around me so it was kind of like a magnet to bring people around me mm. and um, the sound is quite extraordinary it's like a rainbow sounds coming out the end so little by little by little the passion grew you know how it is sometimes you get passionate about something in life and I've noticed whatever you're truly passionate about, an inch closer comes a day, the source. And uh, a few years passed, and I started listening to the traditional sounds of it um, from where it's from. And it was very foreign to me. Because, you know, when you hear didgeridoo, you hear this sort of like, um, kind of like, I don't know, um, a typical boing, boing, boing kind of sound. But when when... I heard the traditional sounds. I had question marks all over me. And so, quick introduction to the instrument. It's a wind instrument. It's, uh, it's kind of like a log, a tree log, and you <coughs> your lips go like that, and that makes the drone sound, the, the original the, the, the sound that everyone, mm. you know, the mm -hmm. growl sound. And then, um, then you, you breathe. It's you, you play continuously because they have this thing called a circular breathing which is you take quick sips with your nose and and you push um you, yeah you push water out uh push um air out of your mouth quick sips it's kind of like talking mm -hmm. but there's a there's a way to quickly do it so that you can push air and and breathe at the same time kind of okay just a few seconds from like each you other hold, you hold some of the breath in yeah. your mouth that is it you push like it out <laughs> So it's kind of like a continuous mm. vibe. So uh -huh. you push air out and you you breathe in real quick, quick sips with your nose. It's kind of like talking, but it's all based on diaphragm propelling the air up mm. and then you push the air out and it makes the sound and you quickly breathe with your nose and you keep going. And and everyone regards it as the, the highest thing to circular breathe, which is cool, but the traditions of this instrument is pretty profound. It's very simple. It's an aged wine of a technology where whatever that moves that you can see, like the trees are dancers, they're cheerleaders, they have pom-poms in their hands, and the wind could blow from the north, they dance one way, the Gulf of Mexico could be telling us stories from the southeast, the trees dance different. Mm. So you see that, and you clap, you make a rhythm pattern, and then your breath can follow it like a shadow. So your whole breath could become, it's a love story. Your breath becomes like lovers do, they like, sync up like, together in sync. And so what? 
Well, anything that moves, you see it, you make a pattern, rhythmic pattern, and you play it through the didgeridoo, your whole body, your breath, your blood, everything moves in sync with that which moves. So you can see a certain bird and the way it flaps and moves around, you can pay close attention to it, make a pattern with it, and play it rhythmically to that, following the rhythm of that, now your whole body becomes that. Mm. So it's really becoming like pouring yourself and your whole being <coughs> into the vessel of something else. And so your whole body becomes very binary because rhythm is binary. It's either off or on, off or on, just like computers. Like um, the letter V for Vinny in Microsoft Word equals a bunch of on and off switches. It's binary, right? And so off, on, off, on, off, on is rhythmic. Rhythm is binary. It holds value. So when you live in a bush country and you see different things, your relatives, different snakes, different insects, everything has a unique rhythm and a vibe to it. So you, the didgeridoo allows you to connect your breath rhythmically like a shadow to anything that moves. And it's a language, it's an energy language. Most people don't practice this. Mo because the sound is so amazing. Even if you don't know how to play it, you make a sound, it sounds extraordinary. But when you do it intently, things can change. And doors can open. And that, that more or less is the essence of the didgeridoo. <coughs> so yeah. I just wanted to take a quick second uh, to remind everyone, the show tonight is brought to you by the Bellagio Hotel. Um, <laughs> Make sure you check out the rates. Um, <laughs> you're gonna get some discounts on the executive room, um, and a lot of they got a beautiful hot tub and jacuzzi. The robes option. are the best. Yeah. The robes, the robes. Excellent robes, and you can take those home with you. Um, think you know, good shampoo. Uh, but what <coughs> that makes me um, first question on that, off of what you were just saying, is like, was that everything like kind of that, that like first burst of that? Was that intuitive? Did you get that hit uh, that that right away, or no. did it take a second or, and kind of like a while for you to go through that mm -hmm. to kind of actually understand that that's what was that was? I was in a, in a time where there was no YouTube and you know internet was still there, but didn't have much resources. And the people that did play the instrument, you know, it takes you have to go find a source of whatever you're passionate about. Sometimes you float like a pollen across somewhere else to grow, you know? And so I, over time, when I went to Joshua Tree, California, they had a didgeridoo festival there. They had funded the custodian of the instrument, who is a, an Aboriginal man, he's an elder. His name is Jalo Gurewiwi, and he is the custodian of this cultural baton, this tool that connects your breath to things. That's deep, if you, if you kind of sit with that. And so, um, I met them there, and when I met them, it was like meeting you and Trav. If, if it felt like I knew them. He was there with his wife and his sister. They're all elders. We were there in this beautiful Joshua Tree land. It's so magical there. Um, and we were there for 13 days, and we became family. And he, you know, over time, he gave me the instrument that he was using to teach. He gave me that to adopt me as a son, and they painted my face. They painted the didgeridoo for me to invite me to their where they where they uh, they live in northern East Australia. So the instrument is from northern East Australia, Arnhem Land. Um, so if you look at the map of Australia and kind of find Darwin, it's a very further north east part of the Northern Territory. 
Arnhem Land. The Dutch were there, and I've been to Holland to teach didgeridoo. Um, there's a place called Arnhem where they were building these ships to sail around the world because Dutch are curious, and they've sailed around the world. And so they coined the term didgeridoo because when they went to a when they went to Australia in the 1800s, they saw a tribe and they listened to the instrument and it sounded like. <laughs> sounded like didgeridoo. It was an onomatopoeia. Mm. They named it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So from northeast Arnhem Land is where the people called Yolongo. Yolongo means the people, the native people. And they're divided into two groups, mother and child, like we are. I'm the child of this mother, the land. So for hundreds of generations, the, the thing that they have to show as a fruit of their culture is paintings, songs, rhythms, and dances, right? Some other cultures, like the culture where I was born in, in Iran, what we have to show is architectural gardens connected to stars and lots of other innovations. But the inner engineering that the Aboriginal people have, I would say worldwide, is a love affair with the land, like mother and child. And so all the stories, the painting, songs, and dances are distributed by the clans, if you will. So imagine one tree m split in two, mother and child, and within them they have sub-clans, and they have specific names, and everything in nature has been divided by them. So they have custodianship over specific patterns. And I could bring it down home here um, in Austin. You could sing about you can sing about Twin Falls. You can sing all the way to towards the flats, Campbell's Hole, then you can go all the way to the springs. Vinny has the custodianship of the songs about that area. Then you have the custodianship and responsibility of the songs about Barton Springs and someone else and their family have responsibility of the painting songs and dances from the spillway to town lake is this sort of people who i guess uh, continue like the the essence or like uh help to portray like the memory of these places yeah or what they're about like See, through song yeah and, and painting there is interesting there's different types of instructional technology and in a way the instructional technology of native people is quite profound, and I feel it bridges the rainbows between the schools of thought and feel. For example, um, I can say this song, and you haven't rehearsed this, but I want to know if you know this. Might as well jump, jump! Might as well jump! You know that song? Yeah. You heard Van it? Okay. Van Halen. Van Halen. Less than a second, you know. <coughs> See, they use creativity. Well, that's because I was perfecting my splits at the time. <laughs> uh, In the air Spandex? Yeah. Well, not... I just, based on David Lee Roth's <laughs> performance in the music video, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how I learned how to do the splits. See, yeah. see, like, like music, music, uh, when when it enters the windows of the heart, it's a lit candle that doesn't go out, and the native people worldwide use this very essence to house knowledge and wisdom, because in Northern Australia. It's so raw, and the, the, the relatives, relatives meaning the animals and things, the insects, um, they all have uh, a unique essence. One of them, if it bites you, you die. 
The other one, if you're in the water and if you can't see, you step on a stingray like I did. Mm. So you have to have paintings. The paintings open the heart and the eyes to see. The songs keep that candle lit in your heart. So you're in tune wherever you go so that the relatives don't harm you because it's a, it's a life and death situation up there. You In Northern Territory, things are quite raw. Every second, you can feel something is checking you out. It's alive, deeply alive. There are green ants, and um, they're called Kal Kal. And they're animated like by Disney, like super animated and goofy. Mm -hmm. They're cute and they're delicious. They're like Skittles. You eat them? Yeah, you can eat them. Yeah. Huh. If you need a good tangy taste in your mouth, eat one. Huh. And if you have a sore or a cut, you can get a whole bunch of them and bunch them together and put them on there. It's a great anesthetic, hmm. right? Yeah. And so I was going to the bush following mom and dad making didgeridoos there. And I noticed that one of them fell on me, right? And I'm like, on my hand, I'm like, <laughs> it didn't get off. Of, it just held on to my hand. I'm like, <laughs> still held on. <laughs> I'm like, if I have to, I, my strongest breath is not pushing this off of me. It didn't just fall. It came to check me out. Yeah. Things, and you can hear them think. Things are checking you out there. Hmm. So um, they have created a way where the stories of the land and the relationships of things in the natural world have evolved like the internet has evolved. The hypertext, which means one word underlined in, in, on the internet, is you click on it, it goes to another page. That's hypertext. It's the nature of the internet. So nature is full of hypertexts is full of interconnections, like a constellation. And the elders and their, their interactions with them and the songs and paintings and dances that have been gifted to them by their elders has given them, them this connection, this wisdom to see through the land deeply, connecting them to the medicines, the poisons, ways to hunt, you know, everything. They, they have it because of these songs. So it's really, it's, it's about teaching as well, and like passing on information. Indeed. It's yeah. an instructional, it's a very deep instructional technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so to get back a little bit on a, on like a timeline a little bit, like, so you met uh, this custodian of the didgeridoo out in uh, Joshua, in Joshua Tree, California. Tree. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then, and then what happened after that? Where did you go next? Where so, did that lead you? So, you know, um, the language of the didgeridoo has many languages. ببینید مثلا زبون فارسی و زبون شما خیلی فرق داره درسته یه زبونی هست که مثل شراب ها and the same thing is the didgeridoo different language the different languages because language is like a consonant and vowels are objects in motion vowels are movement the consonants are objects so every culture every country has a, an, a, a chance to paint their reality and how they feel in their body in their avatar so I was really interested in a traditional language. So when I spent time learning from Jalo, I already listened to a lot of the uh, two recordings that I had gotten from him, and they were foreign, very foreign than what you hear traditional, uh, regular didgeridoo players, Western mm. didgeridoo players, which are phenomenal, by the way. Uh, the traditional way was something like, kind of like a curling finger, that there is something deep here. And when I met the custodian, he would play just a few sounds, and you would, something turn inside of you, and, and it, it it's energetic, you know. You knew that he was saying things to you energetically. That it's it's quite has a um, 
a door to the chronicle of Narnia of connections and wisdom and knowledge about things. And that attracted me. So I discovered that from working at Rice University for a year in the coolest building in Duncan Hall. Oh, it's a psychedelic. And if you go to Houston, Rice University is like Europe. It's a whole different dimension. You should tell, totally go visit it. Um, I discovered I had $8,000 in teacher's retirement fund. When I discovered that, and they told me that, because I, I didn't know that. I was making a bunch of money back in the day. Um, I shed tears in downtown Austin <laughs> because I had $8,000 to take me to Northern Australia. Wow. And I took them an 18-foot teepee. They wanted a teepee. I'm like, okay. Well, you I took them a teepee on the 18, plane? 18-foot teepee. Holy moly. It was a 47 kilo. Wow. 47 kilo. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, a keyboard from my original brother, clothes for the whole tribe. They wanted all this stuff. Wow. I'm like, okay, I love you. You're going to be my university without professors without wall. Yeah. And I'm going to just come on full on. And no one really, like, no one educated me much about what's over there. So I just took all this stuff to them. And I went to Northern Territory. Four planes from Austin, Texas. Wow. Austin to L.A. And I stayed over my uh, my first girlfriend, Robin uh, Coleman. She became the world's strongest woman. And she, hmm. she was Helga on a gladiator. She, she's like Like family. a lifter? Yeah. Okay. She went on ESPN and... Whoa. One competition. She's pretty cool. I stayed with her overnight, and I prepared myself the next day. A plane to Sydney, and Sydney, I got there like midnight. It was the last flight, and all I could hear from the people there, no worries, no worries. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I like that expression, no worries. They're pretty chill like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so pretty much slept in the airplane, airport in Sydney until the next morning, I had to fly to Cairns, which is a beautiful city next to the water with mountains. You arrive right next to the mountains coming down with blue water. And then I waited some hours to go to Northern uh, Territory uh, Gove Airport. And then the whole tribe, I mean, a whole bunch of them, my, my beautiful brothers and sisters and dad and mom and all, they were all in this forerunner. And their other cars came too. And I put all my stuff there and we came straight to where they're staying. Yeah. Awesome. And when you, when you, sorry, Vinny, when you, when you say your, your brothers and sisters, your dad and mom, these are your brothers and sisters that you made my, over my there. Yeah, my adopted yeah, family. Yeah, forgive me. I'm weird. Yeah, no, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying yeah. so we can ask a little more oh, about certainly. it. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah context, so, so this yeah. is your, this is your adopted family. This that's is, right. this is your family. That's right. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because the Aboriginal people there in Arnhem Land, Yolngo, they have a unique uh, kinship system. And they have, they have their own sign language as well. Uh, like, your dad is your shoulder. You tap your shoulder. Uh, your mom is your belly. You know, your grandmother is your backbone. And um, uh, your uncle, you tap on your forearm. Uh, you hold your elbow and shake for poison cousin. And another poison cousin, you, you tap on your knee. And what's interesting, you, you're not supposed to talk to them. But it's energetics because I would go to a different bush country on their land, three hours in a bush, and I would meet new Yolo people. And some of them I just didn't connect very well with, mm -hmm. and they ended up naturally being my Oron, my poison cousin. What is it? What does that mean, poison cousin? Poison cousin. Their kinship is quite deep. Uh, poison cousin just means that uh, there are two types of poison cousin. One that you can joke with, and the other one is that you just don't talk with. Hmm. They they just have the, these kinship ways, and it goes quite deep. So some elder could be like my son in the kinship system. It's okay. interesting. And it works out like that. Whoa. It really energetically yeah, how, how works they, like that. How do they determine <coughs> that relationship? Well, because I was adopted by Jalo, and he's Kalpo. That's part of the one branch of the Yolngo tree. 
from the mother and child, from the child clan, Doa. And there's Yiricha. Yiricha is the mother, Doa is the, the child clan. So I was adopted by him. So people ask me, who adopted you? I'm like, Jalo, oh, okay, you're going to be my wakko, my nephew. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> All right, we can hang. All right, right on. You know, it's kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I just wanted to, just hearing Amid talk about all of that, um, I guess, like, in the time that I've known him, um, talking about, like, just, in, like, feeling so compelled and inspired by something is kind of a very definitive aspect and characteristic of you, as, I, as I've known Amid. Um, the sense of... Uh, recognizing something so important or something so profound and needing to just like fully delve into it um in the way that you did with that uh with uh, going to australia and like fully pursuing it and fully becoming so immersed in that um in uh as just one example of of things that you've done throughout the time that i've known you um uh whether you know and beyond that going to Spain to study flamenco guitar and, or uh, back to Spain to study pottery as mm -hmm. well. Um, you go to the source. Yeah, going to the source. Yeah. And I like that. that's something that is just like um, uh, maybe it's, you, it, it's not so common, but it's definitely something that I like fully appreciate um, as far as like your uh, cur like curiosity you know, is, is like definitely a, seems to be a, a common theme with like your um, uh, path in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There, there's, you know, there's um, all kind of forces playing on people. You know, when I was a kid in a super psychedelic place in the world and I wish we had open doors to go on back and forth. It's quite nonsense that we can't, you know, or it's more difficult. But Iran is like a... Um, Oh, it's like a it's like a psychedelic garden. Um, you know, you celebrate life in a unique way with food, with architecture, with music, such that your your consciousness becomes a fertile soil for any kind of a vision seed to grow out of. You know, and and um, Iran is pretty heavy with the creative creative flow. I could feel it to my bones. You know, the the artist, the young artist I saw even during like the revolution and the war that happened, but the uh, all around there, you know, I mean, they have Burning Man today, which I've yet to go to, but, you know, it's like they've done, um, they've created uh, kind of like a, um, a a visionary garden built in architecture with the love affair of flowers and, and the sky, you know, because flowers have a love relationship with the stars. And if you look at blue bonnets, you can learn about architecture. You look at the marigolds, you can see architecture. And so the Middle Eastern architecture is based on flowers. And so where I used to go shopping with my grandma, it was super psychedelic. You know, you're, you're inside of a flower with the windows in tune with that sacred geometry pattern. And you take that home with you. And, you know, it, it, it creates more fertile soil for growth and visions, you know. Mm -hmm. So despite all the stuff that's happening in the world now, I mean, there's so much fun to be had with simple things like a hollow log called didgeridoo. <laughs> that brings people together. Well, I've uh, I've always felt that instruments are some of the, the most incredible t 
tools that we've ever made as human beings. Like yes. there's something that operates. I mean, even, you know, something that was used and I mean, maybe some of the first things that we did as as people, you know, using instruments to make sound and noise and frequency, mm. you know, even the even things that are just, you know, uh, like literally just hollow space around surrounded by material something that affects frequency on a like basically on an atomic level mm -hmm. like that's an incredible tool incredible instrument you know yeah everything is music <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah so um speaking like about like the universality of um the of of, of art or the you know uh of the music um i've gotten to have like the privilege of spending a lot of time with you and um, getting to see your art and getting to learn. Uh, you know, I remember <coughs> when uh, it was actually the first night when when we picked a meet up from the airport in Hawaii, uh, and there was kind of this instant connection, um, just kind of like fun more than anything else, mm -hmm. I think, um, and then. I remember we kind of brought you to your tent and down in the property and like for some I was just like something you said you're walking barefoot um, and you were talking about how that our feet are just like another set of eyeballs um, and I think you were kind of referring to being on the island being in Hawaii and that like kind of trying to like have this like sensory like perception of like the specific quality that the island you know had to offer or um and so that was something that just was like i've never heard anyone refer to that in that way and so that was just something that i needed to know more about <laughs> and so like i remember like coming down to your tent that night um after we had kind of set, set you set you up and just kind of was like, hey, like, <laughs> what, what's that all about? <laughs> like, kind of thing. And and I think we talked about it a little bit. And then I, uh, you know, um, but uh, like going back to just the like talking about um, how you can kind of take that template of uh, uh, um, like of the understanding or the expression of art and and with using the instruments and, and, and learning from it. Um, when we first were living together in Austin, um, and which is like exemplified by what you're actually wearing tonight is your artwork, uh, which is essentially taken from the, uh, the, the technology of Aboriginal mm -hmm. art and that you were able to take that and apply it to and explore uh, the nature that is here in Austin and that essentially could be anywhere that you are mm -hmm. and, and, and anywhere that you could observe mm -hmm. uh, any kind of nature mm -hmm. and any kind of surrounding and apply that same technology to uh, just about any place that you find yourself and, yeah. and be able to kind of orient yourself mm -hmm. with that space. Absolutely. And maybe you could talk to, to that. Absolutely. Um, it seems to me that with the curiosity of humanity to go and master objects and do cool things like create a whole neural pathways called the Internet, that we've become a bit of alien to our own spaceship, you know, to our mother. And, and um, 
there's different languages that you can learn. Um, <coughs> and this, this language that if you learn to speak, the innovations that are super in tune that can flourish from for the four corners of, of, of the world uh, could be extraordinary. Um, the language of the land is creativity. Um, I feel like subconsciously we're uh, maybe depressed because looking around, everything is thriving and, and, and blossoming and blooming. And, and the land is doing that. And human intelligence, as intelligent as we are, we're, we're not perhaps uh, creating as, as, as abundantly as the land. You just look around. Even poison ivies are thriving, you know, and, and ragweeds are dancing. There's a dance happening at all times. The clouds are coming and painting in the sky. There's so much museum of artwork all around. And to be able to connect to that, the native ways, if you, that's where I feel like they, they fit in right now. The rainbow has yet to form from the hearts of a modern man to the native ways. And doesn't mean native doesn't mean color of skin or this and that. It just means a heart thing. If you can see through things. And so the language of the land is creativity. You know, your breath can follow things that move. That's singing. The, um, their paintings are the patterns of the land. They c you could make painting patterns. Uh, water has a thousand patterns a, a second. There's, it's just like an endless uh, bank of, of, of patterns. And making the patterns, breathing with the patterns, dancing them, having ceremony and respect to it, it creates such a, a heightened vibe it's when I was in traditional ceremony in Northern Australia, from my original cousin who tragically passed away, it was the time that I discovered this is why, as a human, I'm alive. Nothing I've done in my life that has this pinnacle of why I'm here. Together with the whole tribe, the women, the children, holding eucalyptus leaves in hands, painted with white clay. The white clay is perfect sunscreen. And it's representing people coming together like clouds. And everyone is together for a cry. And the elders are singing the song lines. Song lines is kind of like an iPod list, if you will, mm. of songs walking barefoot from the beginning of the green belt to the springs, hypothetically. So to bring it to perspective. Almost a map. Yeah. And see, barefoot walking, um, I feel it, it's a huge medicine for the world. I do this because when I went to Arnhem Land, these elders barefoot walk. And, and why? And I did it, and I figured it out. It's because it, it uh, extends the memory of your uh, body to the land. And um, it's a way to connect to the land. Like, the trees don't have a voice box, so come the crickets. The trees don't have a voice box, so come the nightingale and the birds singing. They swing on the tree, and they're singing on the behalf of the tree. You see? The mold is the digestive system for the trees to eat. So everything, the tree comes and its, it's, it's whole system is built in itself and around itself. And in the same token, we're the same way. So we can connect to this lingo, this language of the land that we have, for the time being, and it's okay, taken a little, little turn to go discover and create new things perhaps humanity has never created. Like all these alloys, plastics, and <coughs> uh, computing, and all that stuff. Which is, in humans, we're children and we're curious. I don't blame us for what we are. We're just curious beings. Um, at the same time, it's, it would be lovely if we could go back to our roots and relearn the simple language of the land. It has 
tremendous fruits along this garden path, tremendous applications. Um, I started making patterns from Barton Springs, uh, nature patterns. And with the patterns, and I, I started drawing the patterns and breathing with the lines. And so that's breath work, breathing. Breathing is everything. And that connects to the way that you would play a didgeridoo as that well. That connects right? to that yeah. too, yeah. right. And if it connects to that, it connects to your guitar too. Right. These are instruments beyond being a performer, beyond putting a hat on called a musician. It's, I call, creative instincts. And, and learning how to see the patterns, making a pattern, making a drawing with it. And uh, from the drawing can come a song, can come a dance. And you have rhythmic diversity in your whole body. And um, you see, when my mom studied and, and researched cancer for 20 years, right? And so cancer cells are revolutionaries. They just decide to just be themselves uh, in, in a very uh, non-harmonious -har way. And they start growing and creating this harmony with the other cells, and they start becoming cancer. But you know, you go to a uh, you go to ACL festival, or you go to South by Southwest. Go to Hotel Vegas. Five six, five six stages. Going off with great music and everyone together. You know that's harmony. So why not use that to harmonize our our bodies together? And so. I feel barefoot walking is tremendous mind mind medicine that we're suffering. You know, there's some suffering today that's almost um, invisible. There's a need for divinity. The architecture is not holding up. It's not so in tune. It's impotent, in my view. And at the same time, we're stuck in our head. And in Farsi, our language, the word for cancer is saraton, which really means in your heads. It's stu being stuck too much in the mind and not so connected. So when my brain, my mind poops, it poops more than my butt. <laughs> right? Yeah. It poops, it's is always dirty. So very dirty. <laughs> so when my mind poops a lot, I, I shit you not. <laughs> <laughs> we're lucky in Austin. Uh, uh, we're lucky in Austin, everybody, because you can be a caveman and a geek in the same day. And we have a bunch of places <laughs> where I call thing. my mental hospital. <coughs> when my mind poops a lot and I'm distraught in my mind and stuck up there like a quagmire, I take myself, drink a bunch of water, go to the green belt, shoes off. I'll go for three, four, five hours. Hanging out, you, we've done it. Yeah, we just go barefoot. You know, yeah, the stones are gonna be underneath your feet. They're gonna leave some marks on you, and the trees may, or the branches, or something may cut you, and you'd be bleeding somewhere in your ankle. Maybe you get poison ivy. But guess what? Your mind is exercised. I worked at Rice University, and I worked with the um, School of Health Information Sciences in conjunction to Creighton University to create. Um, Fun video games for kids to learn about neuroscience. So I hung out with a bunch of like phenomenal like neuroscientists, and I discovered that the brain is a forest. I created a, th uh, a video game for the brain cell for the planetarium in Houston back in 1998, where the video game player would go inside of a brain cell and go and see what happens between the brain cells as they pass uh, chemicals. 3D, it's all video games. Awesome. Yeah, it was wicked. And I discovered there are like trees. The brain of the land or the trees. They have roots like our brain. So if it looks like my brain, it's my food. 
It's brain food. Give it brain food, right? You have to eat brain food, which is veggies. The vegetables that you eat, they're dancers. They sing in love affairs with the stars and the planets. Plants, planets. Star, guitar. There, there's resonance and there's music between them. Even in our language, it points to it, right? And so eat a bunch of greens because they have the minerals um, that you need for neurotransmission to happen properly. And I take myself to the, to the bush here. Three, four hours barefoot walking, I come back like a lion. Whenever I have a show, because I make music, perform music here and there, I go the day before or two days before, I go to Bull Creek, Greenbelt. Hours on end, I go barefoot so that I'm real as fuck. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. Real, right? You know? Because when you have some cut in your leg, that burns. That You're grounded. That's grounding. Remember back in the day we used to play? We used to fall and get hurt and stuff. We were grounded. We were just like in reality, right? And shadows, shadows were giving us psychedelic effects. But it's mm -hmm. missing now. It's missing. And what's coming in are pills for the children in school. The kids that are, they call ADD, but AD, you need to be ADD if you're going to be in a bush country because something is checking you out yeah, and you it may be, be poisonous, alert. right? Yeah. You got to be alert. And so they're intervening that and they're saying, take this pill, Adderall, whatever, to focus. Holy cow, you're going to grow up and something did you wrong, you know? Because... The man, the greatest visionary, one of the greatest visionaries Iran had was a villager. Villager. No school. Nothing. You see his creations in Esfahan, you'll cry. Like, the architecture is so profound. Did he become an architect? Yeah, dude. He became, like, well-versed in all the schools of thought. Because nature is the greatest university without walls giving you wisdom if you know how to read it. But if you know how to read it, you're disconnected. So, you know, right now, in Austin, Texas, the cedar trees are celebrating the love affair, hardcore. They're doing it. They're loving each other big time. I go shake them, and they're launching their pollens all around. And if you're not from here, if you're not used to it, and you're not in tune, you're not part of the song. So I discovered the juniper berries, very Van Gogh, very colors mm -hmm. of Van Gogh, right? I just harvested some. You get a whole bunch of them, put it in your mouth, chew it on it, spit it out. Bring it home, uh, pierce it between, or, or puncture it, or, or burst it between your fingers, drop it in hot water, boil it three, four times until it matches the sunset right now. Early fall, you see the sky here turning purple. Then that's, that's just a signal that they're fruiting. It's starting to fruit. And when the sky gets real red the way it does, it matches the tea. You go make the tea from the junipers like I did the other night. Beautiful color. It's silky smooth, goes in, and it brings pollens in like a guest, so you don't have to fight it. Hmm. So burning the leaves, hanging out with them, making tea with them, you won't have allergies. It's not going to be foreign to you. So all this happened to me because I started walking barefoot, and I started paying attention. You know? There's ways to be harmonious with the land. So someone with their creativity in the lab in the cold labs with a white coat doesn't have to give you some other medication that doesn't fit the song. It doesn't fit the song. It's got to fit the song. Harmonious, you know? Um, yeah, so this instrument allows a person to see the naked reality like a book and connect with it for har harmonious ways and innovations. Would you take us on a, uh, on a barefoot walk on your didgeridoo? 
Sure. Yeah, let me see. Just again, the show is brought to you by the Bellagio <laughs> Hotel. Um, go ahead and check out the great rates that are going to be brought to you um, for the executive suites. Um, go ahead. Uh, very clean hot tubs, very clean jacuzzis, um, chlorinated weekly, and uh, just bedtime service. Uh, going uh, to get the cheeseburger. If you need one, I think they have a pretty good cheeseburger. Uh, room service, uh, very prompt. Um, so uh, use the hashtag Fortuna and Soon Podcast to get 20% off at the Bellagio anytime. Uh, here's Omid on the district. <laughs> Eternal hang time. Okay, so. So as I mentioned before, this instrument is like a giant megaphone, right? And so the very basic sound is called the drone. It makes that kind of a buzzing sound with your lips. That's the first one. Then you can use your tongue and you can say shut up. Then you can use your voice. used to hearing with a didgeridoo, okay? Here, I'll play something that y'all are used to. This is kind of like a trance, a trance style didgeridoo. Play this. I play the language that um, Westerners use to play this instrument, which is wearing shoes and, and wearing, uh, you know, wearing wearing shoes and and uh, um, being comfortable. But it's very trancy and beautiful. So I'll just play you a song, um, and this is really this is about the turkey vultures. Okay, all right, here it goes.
traditional way of playing it but non-traditional language you know because the elder told us this back in the day when he was teaching us how to play his his you know his way of seeing the instrument was he said you can speak your own way but arrive at the same place and so that style that i just played is our our style um their own way is quite different and i can like that the the yeah. original like people yeah. from Arnhem Land. So what I played is what we're comfortable with. Okay. And what I can show also how different yeah. it is. That would be cool. You'll see the difference. Yeah. And Wait, are we going hand in mic in hand right we now? We can you can go <laughs> hand. You can go hands on if you want to <laughs> okay. do the mic in hand. Yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. This one is um sponsored by Nabisco. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. Okay. Oh, oh, did they contact Nabisco. you before the show? Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you. Uh, good, good. I thought this okay, was cool. the cream of wheat episode. No. That's next is it, one. Is okay. next yeah, one? we okay. haven't actually gotten clear. We're going we're to get yes. in trouble with yeah. our sponsors about yeah. this. But yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. This is sponsored by Nabisco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is, so you're going to demonstrate the uh, more like yeah. traditional way or like. Yes. Okay. So the traditional way of the instrument has like a language difference, right? Like when wind goes to the trees, it's like Right? Okay. So here's the traditional way. 
That's really different. Yeah. So what what is the translation like? What's the difference? Like okay. I mean, I, we can hear the difference, but why why those differences from like the traditional way versus the the, the first way that you demonstrated? For me, language is like a um, the shadow of the human experience. So when I used to surf in the Gulf of Mexico in California, sitting on a surfboard for like five hours at a time and the going up and down. Yo, bro, what up, bro? Like, kind of like changes your lingo. And uh, when mm -hmm. I went to Brazil and I'm surfing in Ipanema Beach, they were speaking the same surfer language but Portuguese. Mm. And I noticed that the the land and your human experience is the potter that shapes your tongue like clay. Mm. And so, in the same token, when you hear the rhythmic, everything is rhythmic. In Northern Australia, they have specific rhythms, like your fingerprints have. You know, mm -hmm. every rhythm has a specific fingerprint and they have a unique way like an artist to draw and create the architecture, the sonic architecture of whatever they're singing about. Mm. Like, you know, and I just made this wind. It has a wind vibe. But there's a little fish at the bottom of Barton Springs of the creeks at Bull Creek, right? These little fish that move left and right and jet forward. Their tail moves like vibrates. Okay, here it goes. I'll show you how the difference is. with what I just played with what I first played which is really trancy vibe mm -hmm. this has instruction for dancers to listen to to know when the dance is about to change it's just like music musicians changing the song changes to chorus to verse and whatnot you signal it and so the screams and the the the, the horn sound like this <laughs> this sound is signaling dancers that the song is changing you know and the men, the dancing, are, the dancing is so powerful and so beautiful. The women, they, they pet the ground with their feet, and the men stump. And they have songs and dances and rhythms for everything, you know? So that's, that's more or less the difference, the way that you sing through the instrument from the Eastern to Western style, mm. you know? And there are many styles now. Like, I went to teach in a huge festival in, in France last, a few years ago, and... Um, 7,000 festival, people festival, no alcohol, no drugs. It was really cool. Wow. And um, most people don't play traditional ways. So they bought me there to teach them. And, and so it's really like being a kid in a candy store, getting patterns, and your tongue and voice and, and everything moves to it like a shadow. That's what the traditional difference is. So one of the first ones that you played for me, mm -hmm. I think, was that actually kind of drove home the idea of, the pattern mm -hmm. of kind of 
an observation of nature and how that could be used as like a survival in th- uh, yeah. uh, uh, tool mm-hmm. um, was I think the the birds kind of mm-hmm. fluttering above mm-hmm. the ocean mm-hmm. and then diving. Yeah, can you you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this song this song and uh, dance the the bird called Jarak is Jarak is kind of like a seagull, a smaller one that they they fly around and they follow the east wind bulono that comes and the the dolphins fish and the pieces of fish are are floating around and they dive from like three four stories down their whole body dives to get fish that's amazing right and that's important because if you can see that then you mm. can see where the fish are right yeah kind of it's it's a, that kind of goes more into the sense that this is information that is important to exist within this particular place yeah indeed yeah. well what what it does is in northern territory the refrigerator is the land the refrigerator is the salt water the fresh water and they're a master of spear throwers is that what it's called spear thrower is there mm-hmm. a word for a hunter that spears with the spear spear thrower yeah spear fisherman i could run and my original brothers they can throw a spear and get me they're phenomenal right. with spear i've seen them and so they used to go dispersed, you know, every yard, however, however many, 10 yards away, and each man with five, six spears. And they go and catch fish, and they bring, they spear fish, and they bring it, bring it back and share it with everybody. And they have ceremony to celebrate it afterwards. Because we don't have television, you could, you could create your own TV, you know, mm-hmm. and have fun. And so the songs really follow. The tongue moves, the body moves, the, the paintings teach you to see. And that's sacred because it stays in your heart like a lit candle, the patterns. So uh, I'll, I'll give you an application of how this works. I was in Northern Australia. I had just uh, left Hawaii hanging out with Vinny and friends and went to Northern Territory. I made an Oreo cookie of, uh, of, of Hawaii and Australia because if you want to go to where I go in Australia, you have to be prepare yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, everything. You got to be real grounded. And so I went from Hawaii to Northern Territory. And I was hanging out there in, in, the, in one area with subsidized, like, reservation homes. But Australians do things right. They have, like, s- reservation homes, but they have solar power water heaters. You know, they're pretty in tune. So anyways, one night I was in the house in uh, my aunt's house over there, in my adopted aunt's house. And I, w- I washed dishes and cleaned the kitchen and all that. It was, like, 1 in the morning. There was no moon in the sky. So um, here I am going to the tent. I'm about to go inside my tent. And here comes my Aboriginal brother, Vernon, and cousin, Maimonok. And they're like, Larpan. They call me Larpan, which means a spear cloud. Yeah. That's the name I have. There. That's what a they spear, call me. A spear cloud? A, spear, a cloud in the shape of a spear. Hmm. Uh, then my Aboriginal dad named me this. Every, every Yolngo person, their name um, connects to something in the land. You know, uh, like my brother, Larry, his English name, Uroko. Uh, it's driftwood. That's his name. It resonates with that. My aunt that passed away, I can't say, actually, I can't say her name. But it means a solid rock on the beach because she just passed. You can't say the name of the people until it heals. Right. Mm. So they called me Spear Cloud. Larpan. Okay. Larpan. Narongan. Narongan ringin Buttulaguya. Hey, Spear Cloud, let's go to the, f- to the beach. Big fish surprise. I'm like, y'all are crazy. And I talk English 
like they speak English, uh -huh. so I speak Texan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are crazy. I'm fixing to go to my tent. <laughs> and so they convinced me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to change my clothes real quick. We went over the beach. I couldn't see anything because it was so dark. I'm following them. You know, they're all wet. They have spears. And I, I went over the sand dunes to get to the beach. You know, it was windy down by the s uh, beneath the sand dunes. And, and I'm like, okay, where is it? You know, they're like, you ready? They have a flashlight they call torch. One, two, titty. Holy shit. <laughs> it's a nine-foot crocodile. <laughs> I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what is that? Tell me what, when, how, who, what? You know, I was just question marks flying out of me. <laughs> and the crocodile was like roped from its, like, mouth to the tree it's 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 feet and and hand tied behind it i'm like what happened what happened so these two these two boogers my dear brother and cousin they're phenomenal oh man they're so wise so connected they're so connected man they they had gone to a place nearby down the beach you know a 15 minute walk or whatever where the fresh water meets the salt water Okay, there are paintings for this, and the paintings are phenomenal. Hmm. So, they were chest deep in water, and they shining a flashlight with low tide. That's when the fish come close. They're curious. As soon as they come close, you have dinner. You, you just spear them. They're phenomenal spear throwers. So, they were chest deep in water, and here comes two red eyes. And I've seen it for myself. I have a million stories I haven't shared yet. But one night... On the beach, I saw four crocodiles. They shine a flashlight, and their eyes have like this laser, yeah. laser eyes, like mm, wicked Whoa. Star Trek style. Those relatives are powerful. So the paintings and songs and dances tell you about the anatomy and the well-being or the being of every relative there. And the paintings teach you about the anatomy of the crocodile, that around the neck, there are sensitive nerves. So... Here comes a crocodile that they had seen a few months back who almost tried to eat a kid. Some are friendly, some aren't. That's a different story. So it was coming for them. So here's what the songs, dances, and paintings do for you. You know what the fuck to do, right? Here comes a crocodile. You're chest deep in water. What are you going to do? Okay, one of them holds a flashlight. And Vernon, my bro, I love him. My wawa, which means brother, he's a phenomenal dancer and a spear thrower. He spears it perfect in the neck. It becomes paralyzed. Alive, but paralyzed just for that time because they're very tough. You could put a crocodile in fire. It wouldn't burn. Right? So here That's he crazy. is. Yeah. And so they spear him, and they, it, it starts to, like, roll, you know, roll, 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 like, uh, on itself. And they grab him, and they wrestle him back. They tie it to a tree. Hey, Larpan, come big fish surprise. <laughs> so I was so curious. I'm like, okay, I saw the spear, the metal part of the spear in his neck. I'm like, what are you going to do with that? They're like, you can take it out. Really? I said, yeah, try it. I'm going to slowly crouch down, <laughs> slowly grabbed it, took it out. I smelled it. I was curious. It smelled like. What did it smell like? <laughs> <laughs> it smelled like blood, but iron, like super iron, fishy, swampy kind of smell. I'm like, wow, that's mm. some powerful whiff. Oil de ole, oil de ole. Brought to you by Nabisco. <laughs> so, so yeah. And, and, and so I was like, okay, I have a freaking dinosaur in front of me. I want to touch the tail. It's tied up, right? Yeah, it's tied up. All right, here I go. 
I crouched down behind his tail, and tail, and I go crouching, grabbing, and it went, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it just wiggled his tail, and they've told me this. The crocodiles tail you first, break your leg, then they eat you. Wow. So I'm like, okay, all right. So they covered his eyes. So me, listen, this is what the elders, they all told me the next day. Listen to me. Snakes and crocodiles, they think just like us. There's no difference. They may not create Super Mario Brothers, you know, and they may not create things, but they think and ha have memory just like us. If, y if a crocodile comes out of the egg and you feed it and you keep feeding it, it becomes like your dog. They say there's some crocodiles that will rescue you if you're drowning because they're like family. How and they, they how talk they to them. How do they do that? How, do, how, would, how would a crocodile rescue you? Well, you, you feed it like your dog and it becomes your, it becomes your pet. And like and would yeah. they be the kind that you would like you feed it like your pet, but then you release it back to the wild? Yeah, so it's out there looking out for you. They're like dogs; like th they they use them like protection. They're protections. Well, the first protection of any land are insects, and I have a different stories about insects. Oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> the insects are wicked, right? But the insects own the land. That's why we have to do DDT, whatever, because we're not farming in tune with the land here in America. So all this stuff had to be used, perhaps. Okay, uh, but yeah. The crocodiles are there. And the next day, they put it in a crocodile farm, that one. And they mm. just carried it, like, you know. The professional one, non-Aboriginals, couldn't do okay. it. So my Aboriginal brothers huh. got up there, just put it in a tree. They know what's up. Wow. They know what to do. Yeah. They know how to handle it. Yeah. So see, the songs, dances, and paintings save your life there. In many yeah. ways. Many ways. Yeah. And it's super connected. Like, okay. Here's a song for a spring-fed creek. Um... Snakes live there. And they told me when I'm in that water, don't spit water out of your mouth there and don't splash because it'll cause lightning. That's how they say. Huh. But the way that they say things is not this black and white thing. You know, it's, it's like a rainbow of connections and constellations that form. It's very rooted. But here's a song. Yeah. Question about that spitting water out of your mouth causing lightning. Why, why is that? How, does it, how would that so happen? So the... We have forgotten and the deep connections to the land and how it works. Yes, we have scientific. You can have a rose and science can tear up the leaves and forget about smelling it and enjoying the beauty, And but it'll tell you the chemistry of it. They still are smelling the rose in their ways. It's still intact and they vibe with it in a very different way. They've learned to use our own human senses to connect with things through creativity. Because creativity with the different w sculpture, uh, painting, art, photography, it can open doors to insight deeper than other things. It's energetic, which is the law of the universe. It's a whole different science approach. And so the snake there, the olive python, called Wittig. Wittig is an olive python. When the sun hits the scales, it turns to rainbow colors. And it takes water and spits it out, and the spitting causes the rainbows. And so if you, that's where it lives. So if you mess with the water there, it's like, oh, who is in my home? Hmm. And it'll come get you, and that's lightning. Huh. Well, At the same time, it's also connected to the vibe of the land. Mm -hmm. They have more lightning there than anywhere in the world mm. in that climate, climate system in Northern Territory. And so you have to be calm and quiet in that water because the olive pythons live there, and they're like lightning, and the land is alive. And if if everyone, if the modern man knew how alive land is, they could have like a nervous breakdown. 
Well, Landa's real life. It's so much. And the dogs, the dogs are singers. If you walk, the dogs bark, at, bark after your feet. And if two people walk, they bark syncopated. Two people walking. They're connected super deep, and they know what's up. That's the land they're already connected to, and we don't see it. But, you know? Yeah, play it. Here's a Wungan. Uh, Wungan is a um, dingo, a dingo song. Every time that I play yiraki, by the way, the, the true, the traditional name of this instrument is called yiraki, yiraki, and that's that's the, the what they call the instrument. Um, yiraki, yiraki, that's what they call it. But there are different names and different clans and other names too that they have, you know. And and so yeah. I think all the dogs got woken up by that. All yeah. Dogs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if. I could maybe do a little bit of a shift, um, but also just, I think, moving along with, you know, pretty similar themes. Well, so, Omid, you put out this book recently. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, totally. So About um, Farsi, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I think, if anything, an exploration of language. And, ag again, w uh, something that is just so characteristic of Omid as I've come to know him and love him as a friend and brother is his curiosity um, and with with this book is uh, specifically with language and um, something that the way that language kind of mimics nature and is very much in tune and in line with uh, everything that you've explored and learned from your time with the Aboriginal mm -hmm. culture and uh, also with your um, uh, time just growing up and in, in your own uh, your own uh, lifetime in history uh, and ethnicity and and so uh, maybe you could speak to that a little bit um, maybe give us like an introduction to uh, what the book is and then um, we could talk about it a little more. Uh, I'm like one of the main things just uh, I remember one of the first things that you spoke to me about uh, with Farsi um, that kind of gave me another really good kind of hit on what you were talking about was that the word for f in Farsi for clouds is also the same word for eyebrows mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so like that in itself kind of like um and I'll let you talk about it more. But sure. that like that really 
gave me a really good picture about what you were kind of delving into with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, the great segue is um, I've always been weird with language. And so the Persian language uh, is called Farsi. And um, it's an aged wine language. And um, for me, what, what it does for me personally, it, it uh, creates, um, creates how I feel right here, right now in my mouth. And so, you know, you, you, you hear sounds for where you live, and um, that starts to shape the tongue, you know? And so um, this book is called Bebin, which is an informal way of saying, hey, have a look, check this out, see this, you know? And um, this book, even though I'm not a reader, I stopped reading when I came to States in 83 because Mr. Rogers, Could We Do, Good Times, Sesame Street, they all took my attention. I, I just stopped reading. And yes, I'm ignorant in that regards. Uh, I am ignorant with, with books, even though you know I've read seven books in my life. But this, I published the book. <laughs> 75, yeah. 75 pages of illustrations. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Mostly picture books. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a picture book. Right. But you know what I've done uh, is I've gone beyond the intellect, um, which has closed doors thus far despite my efforts to go to UT and have a day to talk about it, I've had closed doors about it. And even in uh, UCLA, I went last last uh, October, and I put the book there, and I wanted to talk about it or have a day. I left it with the professors, but I won't get invited because I, I know this for a fact because it destroys intellect. Well, intellect is needed so that you can understand words and the history and how it's formed and all that. But there's another way of looking at it energetically. It's deeper, deeper. Um, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, English does the same thing. Like, um, if you want to point at, point at yourself with your lips, you bring your lips in, and it forms the consonant M, M, right? If I want to point to you, you, your lips go forward, you, right? And so language has a way to express the three-dimensional world, or however many dimensions. <laughs> And so Farsi really creates the present moment. Um, and, and so the, the, the face is called Ru. Um, and so Abr is cloud. Abru is on top of the clouds on top. Ru also means on top. So the clouds on top of your springs, your eyes are like spring water. If you go to Barton Springs, Balmaria, Texas, Jacob's Well, different springs, that's the eye of the land. And, and even Spanish people know they're called Ojo. Ojos calientes, like hot heated water, hot springs. So the land is just the ancestors, Persian ancestors, like English ancestors too, all around the world, not just Iran or Aboriginal, all over the world. When you live with the land, you can't help but to melt into it. Like just go walking two hours in the bush and you won't be there anymore because your attention is taken by the land. The leaves dancing, the crickets or something dangerous or whatever, your attention is is distributed with the land. You melt as you, and you're born again as the land. And so the Persians kind of gave us gentle hints so that if we fall astray, we can find ourselves back home. And so they created, naturally it formed, that the, the they took our body and melted it with the land of the human experience. So abru, cloud over, cheshm, or chashm is I, cheshme is a place of an eye. 
So clouds over your springs. You know when you, 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 you the clouds go up and waves come in on your forehead like the shores when you hear a story. So the face is very much like the land. Waves coming into your conscious, you know, you're learning. And so this book goes beyond, goes beyond. Um, oh, we're getting the train here right now. Oh, yeah, train. Yeah. Sponsored by yeah. Wilson. Wilson! <laughs> <laughs> we're also sponsored by the uh, North American train line, Amtrak. Uh, go ahead, hashtag Fortune Monsoon to get a discount on all of your Amtrak purchases. <laughs> so this book, this book, I left something behind. I, f with all the respect, like, even if you put my name out of it, I left something for the Iranian community. That it's a it's a powerful seed. In the modern world, it's a game changer, because it breaks up grammar and in intentionally breaks it up so that the Persian, the Iranian person speaking Farsi can fall in love with the essence of the language and how it points to things. For example, when you rub your foot, you rub your foot on stones and rock, you hear <laughs> right? That's a consonant. <laughs> Germans have it too. <laughs> and if you lift your foot is ah, because ah is energetic going upwards. It's like walking on dirt. Chak is land or dirt, right? Water is ab. So when you mix them together, it's chab, which means sleeping or dreaming. So I've learned by being this bush guy now that all these years when I go to the green belt and I walk where the dirt meets the water and I go see the water is dreams, right? The underworld, your dream psyche in the physical realm. So when I don't have sleep well and I don't have good sleeping, I go take myself to the place where water meets land or land meets water. That love, that, that, that marriage of land and water. That's what the dreams are. And it works. Try it. If you can sleep a few times in a week, go to the green belt, go to where the dirt meets the water, swim, and go see if you don't feel dreams coming. Like get yourself some physical medicine. Yeah, physical medicine for free, you know? And yeah. so that's this book is laced with all these connections that I've, you know, like when you see some bird taking off, your your taking off, you like an explosion from your mm -hmm. lips. Okay, par par is the feather is ruffling in the wind. Par is how we say feather. Parande mm. yeah. it means bird, and if I break it down energetically for me, it paints pictures. De means give. Par on de, that which gives you feathers, gives you freedom of perspectives. Feathers, right? Yeah. Yeah, and because if I lived back in the day in Iran on a mountain and I fell in love with a girl at the market and she lived on the other side of the mountain, I was a parande. I wanted to fly to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> you know? Yeah. De is to give. H is breath. Parande. Deh, if I, which is not the way we say bird, but deh means like a, a village, a place where there's breaths, right? And so I see the energetics of language, and I f I'm working on an uh, kind of like a, the roots behind energetics of all languages. <sighs> has breath, <sighs> has movements of leaves, 
has small pieces. So this book kind of is an introduction to the energetic feel of the language of Farsi, and it gets very beautifully deep. That's awesome. And so uh, oh, go ahead. Excuse me. Like, uh, and and from what like you share with me so far is that like this is not necessarily something that is completely even though it seems like a, uh like it is very like root core sort of phonetic and that there is like within the language you can pretty much like core it down to like these are the uh the parts of the words that <coughs> are very clearly connected and yet within the farsi community these this is not like something that is really acknowledged so much it's not uh one because the flowering, the blossoming of the flowers of the Farsi speaker blooms when the person has a love relationship with the land. It's the most nationalistic endeavor to make songs and paintings from your land, you know? And so, you know, this is this book is just one interpretation of of looking into the words. And so it turns a person into a visionary painter just based on your lingo. For example, the way we say, n one way of saying nose is damok, right? And if you look at my nose, I'm a mountain man. I was born <laughs> by the mountains. So when you go top of the mountain, you need some something to keep you your breath warm. Your breath is everything. If you have cold air, you're going to catch a cold. So you develop a big old nose like mine because it keeps the breath warm. Dam means steam or something, a breath, like a steamed breath. Yeah. Dog is heated hot. Damok, a place where your breath is kept warm for you to be okay. That's just Farsi. And people don't know it. I Yeah, I, I, and it's just yeah. like such a profound like it seems it seems so obvious like like when you explain it to me, and yet it seems as though um it's something that may have been lost at some time yeah but is also like very like rooted very deeply in mm. like a deep heritage yeah of like that 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 was maybe the intention or that that was something that was just like intrinsically happening with the development of the language and yet now this is something that you're kind of rediscovering or maybe based off of your time with the aboriginal yeah. people and is ha allowed you to have a deeper appreciation for it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or well for and, and for language in general, because that like you could apply that to any language. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are many ways to interpret things like in English. You know, if, if you want to if you want to say yourself, you say me, me. Right. OK. When you say me again, for me personally, energetically, I point to myself with the M mama M. The lips go pointing to myself and then E it's sort of like a, a, a sunshine uh, because the British were sea people. They're, 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 they're an island. They're around water. They know the oceans well. Otherwise, I wouldn't be speaking English here, right? Right. And so the face, E, widens just like the whole beach. It forms wide. And the, around the, the eye, the corner of the eye, the sun rays come through. And so, because eyes are also projectors, like the sun. And, and so... E is a smile too. So I'm smiling at myself because I'm uh, hopefully I'm happy to be alive. And so when I say me, it's sort of like a respect to myself to be uh, here in this mysterious world alive. And I smile upon myself. You know, it's just fun way of, uh, it's just fun. This is just one way, by the way. 
this book is kind of like writing it on water. It just goes away. You know, it's not set in stone. It, but it does entice a creative visionary endeavor so that you can see through things. And it can help you solve problems. Yeah, like I see like a there's a consistent thread thread of like the way that you're interpreting the like the nature of things mm-hmm. and and seeing the way it grows out through other things, the other way that we express ourselves as people. Absolutely. And that Indeed. that is a it sounds like yeah, a very poetic illustration of the language. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was I was I always had this way of seeing and I felt like a person in a closet until Facebook came and I started to like share how I saw and people call that poetry. Whenever you see through things and you see connections and you speak on his behalf, people call it poetry. Vinny is a phenomenal poet. I love his poetry. Uh, he's a dreamer. Aww. Oh, you're a, total, <laughs> you're a total dreamer, bro. Oh my God, no, this total dreamer. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's rich. It just makes life richer, you know. It yeah. just it's something to make. It's it's just like free and it's fun and and you have fun with your language and you know how you intentfully express. Indeed. So me. Um, I know your the the book is obviously something you've been working on. I think like what was it two years ago that you started it, yeah. and you put it out about a year ago. Yeah. And then um, the water vessels have been oh another yeah, thing yeah. you've been working oh, on. Totally. And I was wondering if you could just speak yeah. a little oh, bit about, sure. about the water vessels. A little bit. Sure. Those, yeah. Okay. Th- those and then also your artwork that you've recently been putting out oh, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so I was uh, um, uh, um, I I was a trial graphics guy which means i create multimedia for patent lawsuits and um and i got to meet some prominent people in the world uh because of that like michael doyle who put the first museum up in space so we had to illustrate what the patent was and what happened how it was infringed upon and then go to the war room and create multimedia for my friend my dear friend ron cross's company prana media anyways um I was bored in Washington, D.C. Uh, with a mohawk and a suit and waiting for the lawyers to give me something to animate. And so I was bored, getting paid pretty good. And I'm like, okay, let me just like YouTube something. So I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't looked at videos about like pottery. So I, I looked up pottery. And this English uh, potter, this guy who puts up great videos, um, had all these videos of pottery, and I just couldn't stop staring. I mean, it was a love affair at first sight. And he was throwing, and I'm like, oh my God, I want to do that so bad. And the clay, you know, it, it moves and dances be- in between his hands, this world dancing between his hands, and he's shaping it. And it was amazing. And I just, just, just lusted after it hard. So I made a bunch of money, and my cousin Cena was getting married in Houston. On Craigslist, I found a throwing wheel. Uh, and thank you, brother. And, um, after the wedding, he took me to this person's house where they were selling a throwing wheel. And I knew that if I showed my emotion and, and love for this, that she would probably not want to sell it to me. So I kept myself real contained. Oh, okay. She's like, yeah, I tried to make money with it. It didn't work out. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, with art, you just have to say it for real, and then you can make money. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Here's the money. Bye. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. I got a throwing wheel, and my ex-girlfriend of mine, such a lovely soul, she's a sunflower, Meredith Nile, she's a phenomenal Chinese acupuncturist. She's she's deep, you know, she heals well. So she allowed me to create pottery in my kitchen. And so in the kitchen on 55th Street, 306 (laughs) West 55th Street, 
in that little 1948 house, I started throwing clay, and one shape came after another. I would watch videos, make, make the shapes, watch videos, and my curiosity took me to watching other videos. I'm like, whoa, different techniques. Why are they doing it like that? Then, then I got to go to Armadillo Clay headquarters here in Austin. They make clay and they do, you know, they sell pottery stuff. And I met, I met this rare diamond rock star of a soul, man, Rob Sheldon. He is super profound. I love my brother so much. He's total rock star, so hidden. I love you, Rob. Um, he saw my passion for it, and he kind of adopted me as his kid. And, and just was my mentor and helped me, helped me, helped me. And then I started watching videos. I already produced after like two months, I don't know, 80 different shapes, hmm. you know, because I wanted it. Yeah. If you would have taken a class and the instructor said, okay, by the end of the semester, you better produce like 80 pieces of work. You're like, oh, man, really? But if you love it, overnight, you close the door, you open the door, you have 80 pieces, you know, because your heart wants it. The heart goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And so... I watched so many videos until I arrived. My eyes arrived on the shores of this one video from Spain. They make this strange shape for drinking water, and they call it botijo. And you pour water. It's this shape that's kind of like a dome, and it's closed, and there's a handle like a donut on top with one cup on one side and a spout on the other. Very feminine and, ma and masculine, uh, if oh, you will. Yeah. yeah. So I started to like, I made one that looked like something the Simpsons would make. <laughs> and, and, and I watched the videos and this, this, this elder was making them. And I could tell that this person making them and this, this documentary made, that this person is an absolute master. And the ocean deep of mindfulness was jetting out of this video. And I knew that I arrived yet on another extraordinary wisdom keeper place in the world. So I made a whole bunch more and I got good at it. So I made a whole bunch of those and successfully. And then I started to think, oh, you know, I can actually maybe do some of my art patterns that I do from nature on these vessels. And I started to draw on them and I was in lust again, love and lust or whatever, you know, because the, the daily sun would come to the house and shine on them and I just want to eat them. They're beautiful, gorgeous, like prehistoric. I, I, have this, I have discovered ways of creating that dream reality experience so that I could be in tune and life could be fresh, like, like a spring moving, you know, like spring water. So I made enough of them and finally... I contacted them. I said, can I come and be with you? Is that cool? To They're learn. like, yeah, we'll just think about it. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll think <laughs> about it. I'm like, okay. So I, I got a project. It paid me enough money to take one of those vessels and fly over there to this little pueblo near Alicante in southeast of Spain by the Mediterranean. This little pueblo that is hidden. And I, I've been to Spain already two times to teach didgeridoo and spend time with gypsy people for flamenco and all that. Right. But I didn't know anything about pottery. Now I'm into pottery, like hardcore, right? And so I flew over there, and uh, it was too late for a bus to this Pueblo, and this taxi guy, and I'm like, hey, are you? could you take me to Arroz? Arroz? Oh, uh, where? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know where that is. Okay, this big dude. And I'm like, so he's taking me there, 
he's like, so wh- wh- where are you from? I'm like, well, I'm Iranian-American, but, you know, I, I come here because of YouTube. <laughs> I saw a video, and, and, you know, they make these amazing, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, it's a little pueblo, that's right, they, they, they make pottery, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And he took me over there, and I, I speak Spanish, you know, enough to be able to be versed. And so he took me there and dropped me off in front of this restaurant bar, and I went in there, <laughs> fresh off the boat, hi. Do you know Do you know what La Nava is? You know Do you know where this place is? Yeah, yeah. One of them just walked me to it. So I was staying in this quote unquote kind of like Airbnb, which I didn't know at the time. I was walking in a town for eight generations plus, with thousands of years of history, of the Moors and Assyrians and ancient people being there. For eight generations, there were about fifty families working together to produce. This marvelous, marvelous technology of these water vessels that purify and they restructure drinking water. And I didn't know much about it other than the shape. Mm-hmm. So the next day, I went to the same place and I had some food and I put my water vessel. I, I thought to myself, Omid, just go to the factory called La Nava, go there and take him a bottle of wine and your water vessel. That'll be my ticket. So I'm like, okay. So I went over there, had some food. It was really good. Spanish food is real good, y'all. It was really good. It was good. And so I had some food, and the locals would come around saying, oh, oh that, that's not from here, but it's really nice. You know, I had decorated with hmm. the art that I've seen in the hot springs and truth of consequences, mm-hmm. right? I had mm-hmm. patterns from there on there. It was a sweet psychedelic pattern, energetic, and it's a different story. But um, so, yeah, I went there, and, and I went to the factory. Finally got there by 3 o'clock, and they were leaving. I forgot Europeans have different work hours. Mm-hmm. They, they work from 7 to 3. They go home, sleep, and they go back. And so I went there, and Juan Miguel and Paco, the, the Paco is an elder, the owner, one, part owner of the place. He looked like my grandpa, looked like my grandpa. And the other one, Juan Miguel, looked like my cousin, totally. They looked like they're, you know. And so I felt at home. They, I gave him the vessel, and they're like, whoa, whoa, yeah, welcome. So I, they just red carpeted me, gave me red carpet, and every day I was there, oh, my God. Wisdom keepers are hidden like diamonds. You got to find them. They're hidden, but your heart will find them. Your heart will shine a light and it'll, they'll pop up and connect you to them because these people are so prolific. Not only are they masterful potters of eight generations, they are master horticulturists. They grow food and understand how to grow things organically like you wouldn't believe. Everything is grown locally, right? And so... Unfortunately, because of plastics and whatnot and modernism, the locals don't really respect it very much. And they drink out of plastic. And this water vessel acts like your body. It's like your mother protecting the water. And it sweats and keeps the water great. The local water, even though I'm a goat and I can eat anything off the ground and be okay, the local water there was horrible. It's horrible. It is. Hmm. It's got so much chlorine, you just don't drink it. It's just bad. It makes you feel crappy, right? You feel off inside your gut. So I tested these. I got a bunch of, uh, a few of these giant vessels and I poured water, faucet water into them. The next day, the next day, the chlorine would leave, evaporate out, and it will turn into like coffee cream tasting earth water. I'm like, holy cow. I didn't pay for a single drop of water. since I've been there two times now. I don't pay for water there. I use these and they work. So I was... In the same documentary of the elder sitting in that masterful chair that he created, Senor Luis Vicedo, he is the, sort of looks like my dad actually, 
he is a, a, a masterful spirit. Yeah, trained also, just a reiteration, uh, brought to us by Amtrak. <laughs> just passing by. The H&O line. Yeah, this is the H&O line. Um, you can get on. Uh, this one is not actually a commuter line, but uh, if you can have the gumption <laughs> to hitch a ride. You could do it right out in front of our house. Yeah, right out front. So <laughs> go ahead and hitch a ride. Um, it's great. There looks like they're carrying, I don't know, what would you say, Chris? I don't know. It's gravel. Like gravel of some yeah, sort. a lot of gravel. Yeah. yeah. I should yeah, really start Rocks. making a schedule. We can go back, Earth, Earth time. Earth we, can go time. Back, yeah. we can go back. We can do a little mini, you know, go back into the... mini to Rocks. Rocks episode. Yeah. Oh, I've got it. It's, it's locked. So, yeah. uh... <laughs> but what do you think it is about the shape of the vessel which changes the water? There's many things involved in this aquifer to go. I call them aquifer to go because they act like aquifers. Aquifers are underground cave where the rock is porous by where the water moves through. By moving through, it adds minerals and also um, kind of like filters. It's a natural earth filter. Uh, most springs uh, uh, on earth that are not like polluted, you can drink out of them because they purify water. And they have minerals again. Some of them have fluoride. Some of them have different contents, lithium. Um, the clay where this Pueblo has locally giant, giant land of endless clay is greenish and there are 12 types of thyme plants thyme plants that grow around they're called timon it smells real good after rain mm -hmm. so they say that these plants make the earth there real alkaline so they take this clay mix two types of clays that are there locally mix them together and they over eight generations of loss of time on their hands, they discovered Ooh, that. That's a sharp one. Yeah, so yeah. Woo. yeah. Stand in a crazy train. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is the classic. Oh, I mean, really this is grinding. Yeah. This is the Vincent. This is the Camp essence Vincent this is, sounds. This is the experience. Yeah. This so is, you get here when you're coming here. This is where blues comes out of. Yeah. This is a screeching the slide guitar with a capo and uh That's blues. That's that's where blues comes from, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> blues music. <laughs> oh yeah come on yeah yeah give me what you got yeah i think after living here now i've i've realized there's a lot of train activity yeah there's a lot there's of way train. more than i thought there <laughs> yeah, is there's yeah. but oh there we go there, there it goes okay. i don't, I don't hey, know what hey, it is hey, train. Hey. 
Bye. Thanks. Something Jane. about that curve that sets up for that harmonic. Yeah. So, yeah. can you imagine? Eight generations of pottery, eight generations of potters, evolving generation after generation, creating steps for the next generation to get better at it. They discovered that they have to add it a percent of salt. The Mediterranean salt is very coarse, very powerful, very potent. They salt everything there. And there's a reason. Uh, salt has a love relationship with water. Its home is water. So when you separate that love affair, it wants water. So if you have a music instrument like the Persian setar that requires dr dry air, you just put a big bowl of salt in your room and it takes the moisture out. So they added salt in the clay, which they had to engineer different types of kiln bricks so that the salt doesn't eat the kiln bricks. Um, and then they discovered that putting that in there in the body of the clay, that um, not only does it help uh, the magnetism of water to have the spiral effect inside, but helps the, the water vessels to come out like, like pearls in the night, you know, like super white and also porous, evenly porous. So these water vessels are designed to house water. They behave like your body to sweat. If it's hot, they sweat extra. They keep the water 30 degrees plus or minus cooler hmm. than outside at all times. And so when I'm outside in the Barton Springs or go to nature or outside somewhere, I can put it out there in the shade and it's 30 degrees cooler and it's symbiotic with the land. Like Yeti is pretty cool. You know, it keeps the water real, like, you know, a little cold. But the difference with this is this is alive. Like, your body is alive and responsive. So when I went to California for the first time in eight generations, I brought these over to the States. And I went to Marfa, and this owner of the hotel wanted to buy all my stuff, wholesale or whatever. I'm like, no, I got to take this across the country. Hmm. I didn't. So I'm like, I got to share this. Like, the butterflies come from... Um, Canada to Mexico, I had to take these like butterflies across the country and, and, and have that vibe go across the whole country because they're sacred for me. It's an ever-modern technology, something that houses your water, protects your water, restructures water. It sweats, so the water is always moving through it, and it, it makes the water delicious and great. And it, it, it creates a, an interesting interaction just like your clothes are not convenient. You have to wash them. Your body is not convenient. You got to feed it. You have to clean it and all that. The same thing with these. You have to pour water in them, put them outside so that the outside environment is structuring your water. So we're in a pollen center of the world. When I leave this outside, the sun, the moon, the stars, the wind, the wind, cold fronts, warm fronts, they all shape my drinking water, symbiotic for my body. So it creates a harmonic... Uh, resonance for my environment to my body and that's what makes these special that's awesome mm -hmm. yeah really cool and and so you know my original family opened up some ancient seeds in me to see patterns I draw the patterns the drawings uh, go on I scrape them called scraffito which is a technique of scraping into the clay and so do I you do it once it's when it's still wet or when, when it's, it's yeah, a little dry when it's plastic and okay. when it's sort of like uh, you know in between malleable enough for me to be able to scrape into it mm -hmm. so I sit in the Luis Vicedo Senor the, the, the masterful Michael Jordan of pottery like this mm. man not only is he a most masterful potter this entire village of eight generations has seen uh, most prolific he engineered the throwing wheel 
he designed the entire warehouse, two stories, mm. over an acre, and um, he uh, created the three-story kilns. Now, the kilns, three-story chimneys, 10 by 10. They would Four potters would fill them up once a month, rim to rim. Wow. Four potters. That's how prolific they are. I have tremendously upgraded my work ethics just because of watching them. I've kissed their hands. Before I say hello, I kiss his hands because I know I'm kissing the hands of a master. And he says, I'm not a master, I'm an apprentice. Hmm. If you see if his video, that's his son that I love so much. He has two sons. They're like family for me now. Oh, man. You know, like, you won't blink of, of this extraordinary, mindful person that does everything absolutely mindful. And I cherish that. Yeah, and again, I, I think this like speaks so much to this kind of like thing of theme of your characteristic of curiosity, but also like delving so deeply like to the source of something. Um, kind of like I don't know, bringing it all back around. Um, like going to Australia, um, and something that I think anyone can take away from this conversation is just that um, if you're feeling inspired or you find like some if there's something that is like triggering some like amount of imagination or creativity and 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 like you feel compelled to do it then you can go you can like pursue this path to like a, the source of it and learn from people and then there is like this wellspring um that it's all there available as like with as long as like you have the passion for it and you have like continue to pursue it and then you can also can can as you learn then become a teacher as you have been you know for people um and and just put that out there and also mm. like reapply that to the landscape that you where whatever wherever you find yourself mm. in absolutely and, yeah, and that it's it's so remarkable it's like so inspiring and beautiful um something that like just me as a friend has has always has, has always been like just such a um incredible uh thing to witness but also like something that's always inspiring for me uh, also as like an artist to continue to um just kind of take from that as like for my own my mm. own thing but like yeah yeah i don't know yeah yeah brother yeah for sure uh it's all so connected thank you you're I regard your art and and music highly. You're super connected. I really cherish your 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 creativity very much. And it's it's creative instincts, you know. Like uh, after the second time of going to Australia, after uh, Hurricane Katrina came by, I was in the Virgin Islands and I saw the the hurricane go by. I was snorkeling and all the brain coral, everything was covered by by white, and it was Sahara Desert sand, you know. I started to discover that when Africa sings songs we get it here uh as the east wind you know and it brings the hurricanes which which is you know africa has been here way thousands of years ago africa has been here a long time ago the history changes when you listen to the land there were sailors too and they sailed here before even prehistoric like times africans were here big time and you know you can see the almec people there's a statue of an almec person in ut this you know um so Mm -hmm. You know, when I discovered that my original cousin, who was an MVP footy uh, as an Australian rugby, uh, he emailed me when I got to the Virgin Islands. He's like, hey, cousin, what are you doing here? What are you doing now? He's like, I'm in the Virgin Islands. He's like, 
mm, I'm jealous, you know. And then I discovered a few weeks later that he passed away tragically. It, very, it broke me in pieces. So I spent every dime I had to fly to Northern Territory for ceremony on his behalf. I danced every single day for two weeks, traditional songs. And my feet moved because I've been playing them with the didgeridoo. Didgeridoo is connected to your tongue, tongue to your breath, diaphragm. Your feet move too. So I, I discovered the dancing came natural to me. Traditional ceremonies. I was dancing right there. When I came back home, out of anxiety for what, what uh, for for certain reasons, I started drawing in the airport patterns from Barton Springs, uh, local. Um, it's a heart and soul. The crown jewel of Austin, Texas, is Barton Springs, and it's a spring-fed pool. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful reflection of, of us. And so it, it's like jumping in there and that, that in a, a constant drumbeat of the spring's vitality goes through your body and, and it, it just control, alt, delete, reboots your system and you become like a baby again. It happens every time. It cools the soul and the spirit is revived. And every time in the past when people were sick, they went next to springs because that's the eye of the land. The land is your mother. Your mother wants to be, be healthy, you know? And so I made so many patterns. 15 years of doing patterns from Barton Springs and other springs uh, was coming to a fruition. So now uh, it's been about a year that I've been sharing my art on clothes and whatnot. I have bartonsprings.net I got 18 years ago because I'm a geek and nerd. It moved me so much that I got the .net, <laughs> you know? And uh, um, so I have wear my springs, like you wear, wear like you're putting it on, wearmysprings.com and... I have 1,300 items on there with my all the patterns from the local land on there. And that's what I'm wearing. This is Balmaria, Texas. I'm wearing a shirt, a rash guard shirt, Balmaria, Texas. It's yeah, like it's amazing. In. It's yeah. clothing yeah. with yeah. all of your prints yeah. on it. it yeah. You know, like drawings like inspired by the springs. Absolutely. That are, uh, like and all the patterns. Like uh, super dope. Yeah. I'm not even much of a consumer. Every three, four years, I buy myself overalls and a Speedo. Because if you buy an Omi doll, it comes with a Speedo overalls. Buy Menon. No, but yeah, uh, so <laughs> I'm not much of a consumer myself. Uh, everything is pretty much a hand-me-down, the Goodwill or whatever. But now I want, I want all my stuff. I feel guilty. I want all my stuff because it's black, black, active, and it's wicked. That's it has a vibe. Yeah. You know, it has a good vibe. Yeah. 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 Oh, I want to show you, for example. This is the backpack? No, yeah, the backpack. This is like, uh, I did this painting of light going through the water, the vegetation that I've planted. People kick them. Tourists come and kick them, and I replant them in. Uh, I don't know if I brought it. Did I bring it? Oh, yeah. So back in 2007, when I came back from Hawaii, spending time with King, I call him King Vinny. This brother here, I call him King Vinny, because he really is a king. Um, I... Um, 2007, you remember it rained every day? Yeah. Every day it rained. The vegetation were coming out of the water. So I have many stories and patterns from that. So this particular one, for example, is a vegetation that was coming out of the water. And whenever I feel like I need an extra oomph, I wear the psychedelic thing, you know? Yeah, and so and for people who are listening, it's, you know, it, it's another one of Omid's amazing drawings. It's, it's the patterns of light. On water, right? Yeah, I light mean, that's on water a, and yeah. a leaf. Yep. Yeah, yep, that's right. Exactly. And all the lines have breathing, breathing. So if, if breath controls your body, if you're feeling anxious and anxiety for me, it's kind of like when the tide goes out 
and and water has gone away, and you're thinking about the future. Where am I going to get the next water? I need water. I need water. I need water. You can't be in a moment. That's anxiety when the tide has gone out. So if you feel anxious, take a, you know, drink a bunch of water, let it rain in your body, and the rivers flowing in your body, and it'll take anxiety away. So these patterns that I have have breath to them, connecting to the didgeridoo, connecting to the dancing, connecting to our heart, mind, and soul. Anyways. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for yeah. sharing it all and Absolutely. for sharing your passion with us. For sure. And your experience. For sure. Thank yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Everybody, let's give a meet around of the applause. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Gonna close out, right. Chris. Sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Just thanks everybody for coming and Yay. thank you all for helping out today, especially as you came and helped set up and trucking around and <laughs> hauling everything out here. It was really cool. It was a first live performance, so it was fun to do this and also have a little holiday aspect to it too. So thank you so much. Brought to you by <laughs> the Bellagio and Amtrak. <laughs> <laughs> and Nabisco. Yeah, and Nabisco. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank y'all. Right. Thank y'all. Thanks, Thank you. guys. Thank you. Much love. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs>